Buenas. Buenas. Welcome back to Film Posers for Boricuas ranting, raving, and reviewing cinema. Today, we are going to be talking about what we watched recently, and our moderator will be Juan Mojica. Take it away. Welcome back to Film Posers, everyone. Hope you're all doing well and staying safe during these times. And today, we're going to let you know what we have been seeing recently, what we've liked, what we've hated, what we're loving, what we're living, and what we're hating. So let's just get straight into it. We've got a lot of content to catch you guys up on and let you guys know what's worth your time and what isn't. So to kick it all off, we're going to start with Malcolm and Marie from Netflix. Now, all four posers have seen this film. And you know what? We know this film has had the people who like it, the ones that don't. Here are the poser stance. I'm going to start it off. I lived for it. I loved it. I thought it was electric. It was full of passion, intensity, and Zendaya and John David Washington not being nominated this award season so far, you know, it wrecks my nerves. Posers, what are your thoughts? Okay, so I really enjoyed it, mostly because, you know, I like drama. And I was just like seeing these two fight for almost two hours. I was living for it. I, don't, I was invested, you know, it felt as if I was in the middle of the fight and I was just like sitting there eating popcorn, watching these two tear each other apart. That, that, that was what I thought the film was going to be based on how it was being promoted and the trailer. And that's what we got. And yeah, I understand the criticisms that it has. I understand. And yeah, obviously you can criticize something and still enjoy it at the same time. So I fall in that, that I understand the criticism and agree with some of them, but I still really enjoy the film. and. I do think that the that you know it was beautifully shot. The cinematography is definitely one of my favorite aspects, as well as the acting. I thought Zendaya was amazing, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, this is a very divisive film where you're either gonna love it or you're gonna hate it. If you love it, you're gonna most likely compare it to Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And honestly, the approach they take to this is so well done. Josie, what are your thoughts? I liked Marriage Story. I liked Malcolm and Marie. I love mess. <laughs> so that's yes. my take. <laughs> that's my take on it. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the film. I see the criticism and I agree with a lot of it. And just at the end of the day, I'm not going to go hard defending a film made by a white man. But I do appreciate a lot of what Zendaya put into this film and as I said in my film talk review with um for Full Circle Cinema I see this more as Zendaya's project because she has called it like her passion piece. 100% agree with you this is coming from the same director who gave us Assassination Nation I didn't live for that film if you've seen my blog you know what I mean so, yeah, I definitely agree with you. That's actually a great way to look at it as Zendaya's passion project rather than Sam Levinson's work. I definitely think that's where a lot of people are also standing. Anna, what are your thoughts? I was fully engaged with the film because just seeing these two people trying to one-up each other and every time somebody comments something about what they did, it's like, like who has done something more horrible, you know? I I really enjoyed them fighting, but I just I was like, oh my god, I feel like I'm just in the middle of this fight between these two people. Like, 
who is gonna lose on this one but i enjoyed it a lot i thought it was engaging i really loved the cinematography especially that first act when we got the 10 minute one shot i was like amazed um Zendaya definitely she she had the spotlight on this one especially in that scene when like if we know we're talking about David Washington was also really great I just I yeah I just really love the dialogue I also like like the dialogue from Euphoria so it's coming from the same person that does Euphoria so was, yeah I liked it very much yeah the only thing I'll take away from this film like in a negative sense is that despite the fact that I did enjoy it the first time the more I watch it the less endearing I find it because it is in the turn in in the sense that it's a draining film so the rewatchability factor is down to a low like for example I have not rewatched Marriage Story and I'll leave it at that so I'm I stay with my few fond memories that I have that that film in conclusion we like mess we do I <laughs> I rewatched Malcolm and Marie and I agree that I was drained but I also set myself up for it so if you're gonna rewatch it just prepare yourself emotionally but overall, Malcolm and Marie is film poser approved, and it is on Netflix. Our next film is a film I had the pleasure of seeing. It's called Willie's Wonderland, starring Nicolas Cage. Question. Yes. How, <laughs> how, uncage, <laughs> how unhinged was the cage? Oh, the cage goes off. He goes we off. We love that. All right, so simple premise. Nicholas Car- Cage's car breaks down. He's a quiet loner. And so he gets offered this deal. If you agree to clean an abandoned family fund center, you get the repairs to your car for free. Like, And what happens is, yes, it's a Five Nights at Freddy's kind of scenario with the animated at- animatronics, but it does do something interesting with the origin story. So I do like that. Um, but like Anna said, Unhinged Cage is back, baby. I loved it. This was really refreshing to see. You know, it's filled with some of your cheesy moments, yeah, and your typical horror cliches. But at the heart of it, it's more than that, which I appreciated. It was wild. It was a fun ride. I love the scene where just there are some scenes where you cut to Nicolas Cage playing pinball. And he had these, like, dancing around moments. And it's like he's vibing. And I'm here for that. You know, it's... It's stuff like that that makes the movie so fun. Like, it's a fun Friday night movie where pre- post-pandemic, pre-pandemic, you got together with your friends. You got to see a movie together at someone's house or at the theater. And it's just fun. It's fun horror. It's just a fun time. You don't have to think about it much. It's 90 minutes. It's a blockbuster kind of film. And the pinball dancing alone, that'll be the pinnacle of what this movie is remembered for when most people see it. Like, it's going to get a couple of gifts for that, which is great. I think um, fans of Nicolas Cage have to check this out. And if you're criticizing, you signed up to watch Nicolas Cage vibe and beat the shit out of animatronics. What do you expect? It's going to have its what the fuck moments, but it's great. And I'm here for it. I think it's great. I think it's worth your time. And if you're interested in checking it out, it is available for rental on premium video on demand for $20 on sites like iTunes or Amazon Video. So our next coverage comes from Anna, who had the pleasure of seeing Framing Britney Spears, the new documentary out on Hulu. First of all, I just want to say, if I ever see Justin Timberlake, I'm a post-op. 
Okay. <laughs> seeing, I was seeing this documentary and I got so frustrated watching what this poor girl has been through because of her rising fame was young because of the paparazzis and now she is in a court battle for her conservatorship with his her dad ah conservatorship with his dad and it's it's just surprising like how much she has been through and in this documentary we see the fans that they just want to like see her be free and how the hashtag free Britney movement um, has taken on the internet especially on Instagram and how it all started with a podcast and really it's just it's just kind of heartbreaking to see what she goes through honestly yeah I hope that everything like goes to her favor and I think after this documentary um, Netflix has said that they're thinking of doing a documentary about Britney Spears. The documentary is available on Hulu and it's actually a New York Times present special. Um, I was actually listening to a Britney Spears playlist the other day during an assignment and it got me through it. And I saw so many people talking about this and I definitely think we have to watch this. Absolutely. So like Anna said, it's on Hulu. Check it out. And now we move on to our next film, Barb and Star, go to Vista Del Mar. So to kick off the conversation. So Josie, what are your thoughts on Barb and Star? I loved it. (laughs) I love this film so much. I was able to watch it with Gabriela and I remember just telling her that my most recent favorite films have been very speculative and surreal and I'm like am I going on a surrealist kick and I guess I am because the film is not necessarily surrealism but it's definitely out there and I just loved how crazy it was but it was contained in a way because they earned the crazy and it's just genuinely funny a lot of people might find it a bit annoying I know that I got tired of the voices that Kristen Wiig and her co-star were making but either way it's it's generally a very endearing film the music it's good um (laughs) Edgar's prayer for life on repeat (laughs) and again it was just a very endearing film very good performances very good uh story premise just I, I think they did a very good job. Five stars, no doubt. Yeah, I agree with Josie. It was such a fun time. You know, it, it's been a while since there's been a comedy that really hit for me because I'm very picky with my comedy films. And this one was totally, you know, up my alley. I loved it. You know, Edgar's Prayer, that scene. That, you know, the, it it's grounds for a five-star rating right there. Like, how can you watch that scene and not be like, this is a five-star film? Like, come on. But yeah, and also all the cameos, like, I'm not going to spoil them, but if you've seen Barb and Star, then you know the cameos of different celebrities that they have. Josie and I lost it at a certain cameo. (laughs) But yeah, highly recommend Barb and Star. Definitely a fun time. I saw it because both of you recommended it in our group chat. So I literally saw this after Willy's Wonderland today. This is the Kristen Gray origin story I didn't know I needed to see with Jamie Dornan. 
I I don't know. It was it made me feel good. It was different. It's silly. It's hilarious. It's colorful. It's a whole vibe, and I'm pretty sure it's gonna be a cult classic too. Also, Edgar's crap. How is that not a best original song? Because the Academy like, sucks. Amen to that. But I'm just pissed because that's a that's a song that deserves it. Come on. Like again, turn off your brain, popcorn kind of movie. You have fun, you vibe. It's great. And if you want to join the three of us in how much we love this film, you can check this movie out on premium video on demand as a rental for $19.99 on sites like iTunes or Amazon Video. Next up, also from Netflix, To All the Boys, Always and Forever, the concluding chapter in the Laura Jean trilogy. Now, if you've heard our episode, where we talk about the To All The Boys films, which you can check out if you haven't, moderated by Josie. You know that um, this film has gone over well with us here. And now it's time to see how it ends. So without further ado, our To All The Boys expert, Josie, what are your thoughts? I think they did a very good job. It was a very strong comeback from the second installment, which I think it's unanimous to say that it is not the strongest uh, film in the trilogy. But they did a good job balancing out the good from the first one and the good from the second one, because there was good in the second one. I really loved how specifically in terms of the Korean culture and celebrating that part of Lara Jean's life beyond just the romance so I think they balanced that out really well in the second one because it dealt a lot with like identity and where you belong but also family and friendship which is in the core of what makes this story so good because it goes beyond the love aspect it's a lot about family and sisterhood and friendship and Lara Jean is just such an endearing character which goes back to our romantic comedy episode which your main character has to be likable. And if there's someone I'm going to miss so much, it's going to be Lara Jean. Yeah, so I also watched it. And if you've listened to the 12 Voice I've Loved episode, I'm not a big fan. I think I've outgrown like this type of high school romance story. But I really enjoyed the third one, especially after the disaster that was the second one. Because I'm sorry, I really hated the second film. I'm sorry everyone out there but I really enjoyed it and I think you know it had a really good ending because obviously it's predictable but I really liked how it was handled and I really enjoyed the story and you know everything that Josie said I agree with her and yeah I definitely think it's one of the strongest of the series I just like how the story progressed and a lot of people did love it and it's getting a lot of good reception and I'm very happy for it because yeah, to all the boys I've loved before, it just handles romantic comedy in a new and endearing way. And I And now we'd like to take a moment to talk to you about our sponsor, Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Can't wait to see um, what happens with Jenny Hostel's next project because The Summer I Turned Pretty is also getting adapted. You can check it out now on Netflix. And we're back. Thank you for listening to our sponsor. And now back to the episode. Next up, a show that if you're up into the MCU, you have been keeping up to date with WandaVision. So 
in a non-spoiler way. We're just going to give you our first thoughts and let's get into it. WandaVision, I'm living, I'm loving. I know more or less what the MCU's next phase is going to look like, but to see it play out and unfold is fantastic. I think the visuals are amazing. I think Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are doing amazing. Katherine Hahn, she's securing that Emmy Best Supporting Actress, in my opinion. She's securing it, and I'm ready to run that campaign. Definitely, like, this is must-see television. The only thing I'm not a fan of is I have troubles doing weekly watching. So I fall behind. Like, I literally watched episodes three to six today because I'm that behind. And I've avoided all the spoilers, luckily. And as I binge them, I'm like, this is a fun show to binge. Not going to lie. Like, the weekly format works, but binging them in a row, like, I got more of an adrenaline rush. I disagree. I think the, the week is much better for this show. Gives you time to digest what's going on. It gives you time to, you know, theorize and, you know, talk to other people. Because if it's only nine episodes, people can watch that in a day. So, you know, if had it been released, you know, all nine episodes on, on one day, the next day would have been just people, you know, talking about spoilers and talking about the entire show. And, you know, by now people would have, would have probably forgotten about it. No, I agree with you. I like that idea of weekly for this show because of that. There's a lot to speculate, even if you know more or less what's going to happen in phase four. Like, you know what's going to happen. But you're also like, how do you get from pl- point A to point B? Exactly, because it gives you time to speculate. I really, I do think that the weekly release is better for the show, even though it's torture to wait until every single Friday, because it is agonizing. But, you know, it's Preach. something that I look forward to. And hey, today is Friday. If you're listening to this, today is Friday. So we've probably already watched the first episode, that the Friday's episode, if you're listening to this. So... Episode seven launches. Yes. Let's see what and, happens. You know, the last three episodes are going to be an hour long. So let's go. And oh, I'm sliving. I can't yes. wait. So I'm really enjoying the show. It's been a year where this is the first Marvel content we've had in a full year. So, you yeah. know, getting back into the full swing of things with Marvel, it's been really fun. And yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I, and you know, Josie has so many theories that we were literally talking about this yesterday. You know, her telling me all of her theories, and I'm just here like, I have no idea what's going to happen in the show. One said no spoilers, so. <laughs> but I have a lot of yeah. theories. Yeah, no, we're not going to talk about our theories. Yeah. So yeah. if you want to know, so just Josie hit me up. So I was going to say also, Josie, aren't you doing film talk with WandaVision with Full Circle Cinema? Yeah, so we covered the first three episodes, and then when the show ends, we're going to do a review of the entire series, because there's going to be a lot to digest, because of course, um, you don't have to watch the show to know that this is setting up the rest of Phase 4, as Juan said, and WandaVision is going to merge into what's going to be Doctor Strange 2, so I highly recommend you watch this show if you want to know what's going to happen in the rest of the MCU and the rest of the movies. I know that a lot of people find that a bit annoying, but I think it's worth it because, I mean, the show's really good. So, yeah, we we all, WandaVision is film poser approved. We are really enjoying it. And, you know, episode, 
we are currently six episodes in, so you can definitely have time to catch up until episode nine. Or if you want to watch the entire series once it ends, then you can do that. And finally, Anna, you've been keeping up with WandaVision. What are your thoughts on the show so far? Yes, I think you guys covered so far what are my thoughts. And I do agree with Gabriela. I think that being a weekly show it's better because people still like get hype rather than if it's just just just, like putting all the nine episodes in one day the next day people are not going to talk about it anymore so yeah i've been enjoying the show a lot i really am into the conspiracy theories also which i also like checking on twitter and reading about them and elizabeth olsen she's great i love her as wanda and i also been enjoying uh randall park's character Especially the memes and the jokes. I love it. And yeah, it's yeah, it's a show that I've just been keeping up every Friday. And I can't wait for tomorrow's episode. Well, today's episode, if you're hearing this podcast. Real quick, I just wanted to say that I really like how they're handling her character because Wanda has been ignored for so long and she's such a powerful character. And I know that there's a lot of legal problems that get in the way of that. But I also really like how they're handling trauma and grief because Wanda has lost so much and we get to see it here. And yeah, I just really like how they're dealing with her character and how they're also dealing with the demons that are coming back from her past into the present and also just the extent of her power because she could have taken down Thanos on her own but you know we needed movies so like (laughs) you know you you need you need drama so that doesn't take away from the fact that she's so powerful and I'm glad that we're finally seeing that in the flesh so if you're interested in watching WandaVision you can check this out on Disney plus and don't worry that's not the only Marvel content you're getting this year Starting in March, you're also getting the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So Marvel's Marvelites, you are getting fed this year with the content. Don't forget Loki. My and of course, Loki. our boy Loki. We're waiting for his release date. I'm yes. ready. Also, I'm so real excited. quick. <laughs> yeah. Real quick, my little nerdy heart. If you guys want to hear us dissect these shows and post some conspiracy theories gabriel has already listened to me i trapped her in a zoom call <laughs> so if you guys would like if you guys would like to hear us discuss um not only wandavision but loki and falcon winter soldier and any future marvel projects just let us know because i would absolutely love to it oh, will be yeah. four hours long but it will be fun absolutely let us know through twitter instagram anywhere you can find us Let us know if you want us to do a phase four of Marvel Conspiracy Theories episode. We just may do it. Who's to say? We could do it on YouTube and have Josie with a whiteboard and do like the the conspiracy meme. Charlie Day and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes, That meme, we can just do that. All right. Well, from WandaVision, we move on to our other kind of vision, Eurovision. Now, you're probably wondering, didn't that movie come out in 2020? Well... The film poser got just discovered it. And you know what? She has some thoughts. So, Gabriela, okay. take Okay, listen to me. This was one of those nights where you can't sleep. So, you start Googling random stuff. 
So I discovered what Eurovision is, not the movie, like the actual Eurovision, which is a contest that happens every year. And it's between all of the European countries. And I was just fascinated by it. Yes, I just discovered what it is. I, I'm sorry. So then I remember, wait, wasn't there like a movie that came out last year? So I looked it up and yes, it was a movie starring Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams on Netflix. And I just decided, hey, let's just watch Eurovision since I just discovered what it is and have spent literally two hours on YouTube, you know, watching videos of the contest. So I decided to watch the movie. And holy, holy shit, I really liked it. You know, I really liked it. And I loved how it's, you know, some people might watch this film and say, oh my God, this is clearly a parody. No, it's not. Your vision is just as ridiculous as that film. You know, there's a scene where, where they're singing and Will Ferrell comes down in a hamster wheel. That actually happened at a Eurovision music number. Then, you know, there are the fires and all of that. They're having Eurovision numbers like that. And also like a band singing in full-on like monster costumes or full-on cosplay because it's, you know, professional work a band performed at Eurovision like that and they won that year. So it's, you know, that film is as ridiculous as the actual Eurovision contest. And, you know, my favorite part of the film, beside the music, because the music slap. Like I have, I've had Husavik and Volcano Man on repeat since I watched that film. But also my favorite part was Dan Stevens, which, you know, I have a, I have a complication with because I love him from Downton Abbey. And then he decided to leave Downton Abbey to make really bad movies. But he was so good in this film (laughs) that I have forgiven him. But then I found out that that wasn't his real singing voice. And I was very disappointed by that. But anyways, I love Eurovision. I want Husevik to be nominated at the Oscars for Best Original Song. Because that song slaps. And I love Eurovision. And I will be watching the real contest this year on May 18th. So (laughs) I'm very excited for my first Eurovision. Absolutely. So if you're into finding out what Eurovision is, you can check out the movie on Netflix. You can check out what the contest is on Google. And I'm pretty sure Gabriela is going to tweet about where the contest is going to be. I think they're holding it in Amsterdam this year because Amsterdam won in 2019. There you go. There will be a live... There, there's gonna be a live stream, right? Yeah, it's May 18th. I don't know which channel they play it on, so I'll find that out as when we get closer to the date. There we go, Eurovision making a comeback into pop culture stronger than before. And with that, we're gonna move on to our next selection. Now, for those of you who don't know, Caribbean Cinemas for this week, next week, and the week after is playing the Lord of the Rings film in an IMAX screen in Montevideo. That's right. They had Fellowship of the Ring. By the time this episode is up, the two towers will be there and the return of the king is going the week after. And one of our film posers experience of watching it in the IMAX screen. And surprisingly enough, it is not. I'm betrayed. I'm sorry. I was tempted. (laughs) I am tempted. We're going to go for Return of the King because that's the best one. Watching this movie on IMAX was such an experience, not gonna lie. <laughs> so, this is my second time watching Lord of the Rings. The first time 
I feel that I couldn't appreciate it enough because I just didn't understand it that well. But when I watch it, I was like, okay, it still holds up. I love the special effects and the makeup. I was like, wow, I love this. <laughs> I was like sitting down. So I didn't want the movie to end. And I just love it. I I honestly can't wait to watch the second one on IMAX. <laughs> I love it. It was so great. And I was... <laughs> I was so moved by the characters. Not, this movie came out 20 years ago, okay? So, spoiler. <laughs> exactly. Like, I already knew he died, but I just didn't remember, like, his yeah. last words. And I was like, man, I'm a little bit sad, not gonna lie. <laughs> That's sad. I actually started off 2021 rewatching them because they are on HBO Max. And Lord of the Rings is one of my all-time favorite movies. And it's the reason why I got into film. So those films hold a very special place in my heart. Yeah, it still holds up. But when I was watching that, I was questioning, why are there so many, like, excessive, like, full shots from, like, their face? <laughs> like, there were so many headshots. I was like, okay. Don't question a masterpiece. I, I didn't question it, but, like, I think it was more than 10. <laughs> Don't question the masterpiece. You know, those full shots of Legolas, I never complain. So, you know. <laughs> It's great. I, I I loved it. Guess what, posers? If you live in Puerto Rico and you can drive to Monteedra for the IMAX screening, you can check out this week, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers from February 18th to the 24th. And from the 25th forward, they will be playing The Return of the King. And guess what? You can get your tickets now through the Caribbean Cinema's website. So if you're looking to go, Start planning. I'm going to go for Return of the King. That's my favorite one. See that? Film poser Gabriela has the dedication and she is buying her tickets ahead of time. And so should you. And next up, we're turning to film poser Anna for her thoughts on a film that recently came out on Epics, was supposed to come out in 2020 from A24. It's St. Maud. Anna, how are we feeling about St. Maud? Did it exercise? When I watched the trailer, I was like, okay, this is going to be some spooky shit great horror um it's one of those trailers that it sells something completely different from the movie so if you're playing watching the film it's not what the trailer is about it's completely different it's more a atmospheric horror film rather than like jump scares and all that thing that you want to watch in a horror film but yeah, um, what I found interesting is how they examine grief and loneliness throughout religion. That's mostly, that's basically the whole film. I wasn't paying a lot of attention to the film, to be honest, until the last 20 minutes. When, that tw- when the last 20 minutes marked, I was like, okay, you have my attention. Because it became some, the witch scenario that I totally wasn't expecting and I was like okay what's gonna happen to this character and by the end of the film I was like okay I'm gonna give props to you with this ending I kind of liked it I'm digging it but yeah um not many people are gonna like say mine especially because it's not what the trailer sells you plus I not many people are like great with handling religious themes especially in horror 
it's a very touchy subject and this movie explores that so yeah not not for everyone to be honest this film was on your anticipated watch list let me tell you you can check it out on the epics streaming service which is at 5.99 per month gabriela and i actually talked about this a while back remember when epics used to be free those were the good times I'll forever hold Epics in my heart because it was through that network that I discovered Orphan Black. Uh, It's one of my all-time favorite shows. Now, also, when Twilight was in theaters, they used to do so much Twilight coverage. I lived for it. But, you know, those were the times and now it's no longer free. So, sad. We had it made and we didn't even know it. Yet again, if you want to check out St. Maud, it's on the Epic streaming service. And to conclude our list for this episode, we turn over to Gabriela. And she's going to tell you guys about a film that came out on HBO Max for its monthly period called The Little Things. And Gabriela, I know you have some thoughts. Okay, straightforward, I hated it. (laughs) Pop off. So, you know, when the Golden Globe nominations came out, Sundance was still happening so you know I hadn't watched the film because obviously we were covering Sundance so I decided not to watch it my plan was to watch it after Sundance ended and then when I saw the Golden Globe nominations and I saw Jared Leto and I was just in shock. first of all the reviews that I've seen of this film like I've yet to see a positive review of this film what what is happening here so you know, I decided to watch it because I do like crime dramas. I like detective stories. So, you know, I kept seeing negative reviews and all of that, but I also wanted to form my own opinions. So I just went, okay, I want to watch it. Let's see if I like it or not. But also what the fuck did Jared Leto do to warrant a nomination? And Paul Racy was completely ignored for The Sound of Metal. What, what is he doing? <laughs> because Paul, Paul Racy served in Sound of Metal, like, is he going to serve? I doubt it, but we'll see. And he did not serve. Like, he just had a blank stare on his face and walked as if he was holding, as if he had to go to the bathroom for two hours. So, you know, the story, it was like the typical serial killer story. And, you know, I've seen so many of them. I could have easily watched two episodes of Hannibal or an episode of Mindhunter and it would have had a bigger impact than this film. Everyone in that film looked as if they were forced to do it. Because every single actor was bad, including Denzel, which hurts to say. Not a fan that Jared Leto is taking up space in the award season. Like, did these people see a different cut of this film? What is happening here? Who who do these people think they are? (sighs) Anyways, I'm just irritated by this film and its existence. And I swear, if it makes it to the Oscar, I'm going to throw a chair out the window. And, you know, I'm more pissed off that this film is getting more recognition than Judas and the Black Messiah. I'll shut up now. But in conclusion, if you're interested in the little things, it'll be available on HBO Max until March 14th. Then it will be, oh, oh sorry, until February 24th, I think. March February 14th, 28th. February 28th, yeah. March 14th is Judas. Sorry. So it'll be available until February 28th if you're interested in watching it. And then it will be available to rent and still available in drive-ins and theaters if you're interested. And yeah, form your own opinion. Those These are just my thoughts. Well, if you're interested in checking something out on HBO Max, Gabriela says Judas and the Black Messiah writes. 
And with that, we conclude our episode, but we wanted to give a quick honorable mention to new content you should also be out on the lookout, be on the lookout for. For example, Supernova is out now on Video On Demand for rental. Nomadland this Friday will be available on Hulu. And a very special, great Netflix film called I Care A Lot will be on Netflix the day this episode airs. And you got some good content coming this Friday. We also have reviews for I Care A Lot on our YouTube channel. And if you've checked out our Sundance episode, you've heard Josie and Gabriela talk about Judas. So get to listening and get to watching. And before we go, we'd just like to give a quick update here. Golden Globes, SAGs, Oscars. What do they all have in common? Two things. Number one, this season, the film posers will continue our award season coverage. Let's see how this goes. This looks to be an interesting award season. But more importantly, the Film Poser Awards are back in business, baby. On March 26th, our second annual Film Poser Awards will be live on our podcast. And the 19th, the day you're probably hearing this, our nominations are up. So you should check it out and start letting us know. Who do you think? is going to take home the award. And let me tell you something. Last season, we had a very special film poser awards. This season, I think it might be even better. I think we might just start doing ourselves. Yes, we're going to be better than the Oscars, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, definitely, and not three hours long. Yeah, but, you know, we're also awarding the right people, unlike this award season is looking up to be. So keep an eye out for our award season coverage and our FPAs. And with that, we'd like to conclude this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And we'd like to send a quick shout out to all the kind people sending love our way. If you'd like to keep up with us, you can follow us at Film Posers on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our YouTube channel, Posers. Where can they find you all at? Gabriela? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gabby underscore Burgos 27, on Instagram at Gabby Cristina 27, and on Letterboxd at Gabby Cristina. You can find me everywhere as at the Josie Marie. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter as Anna underscore Sophia 53, and on Letterboxd as Anna underscore Sophia. And as for me, film poser Huang, you can find me at Letterboxd at Leading Mohicans, on my blog, Reinvention of a Lost Writer, at WordPress, and on Twitter at Leader of Mohicans. That's it for today's episode. And remember, we're all film posers. Bye. 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 Bye.